and welcome back to another episode of The Ex-Atheist. I'm your host, Leanna Kaufman. Last week, we started with my book, and we're going chapter by chapter each week, and just kind of looking into it a little more um, than what was written in the text. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right in. We are on chapter two. It's called, He Directed my path. A few years later, I met my daughter's father. Yes, my children have different fathers, and I experienced a series of unfortunate relationships. My daughter was born in November 2015, two years into our relationship. Initially, he did not want the child and even suggested I get an abortion. We went as far as scheduling the procedure. I visited the clinic observing women there who seemed cheerful, which made me question if they too felt coerced. Then I had a moment of empathy, realizing that they couldn't all be joyous about their situation. Thankfully, when the counselor asked if I felt forced, I answered truthfully. The pregnancy continued, fraught with scares. One test indicated that my daughter might have trisomy 18, a condition often considered incompatible with life. But my doctor retested me, and during that agonizing week of waiting for results, I delved deep into research, exploring probabilities and the likelihood of false positives. I became an expert in Google research. When my daughter Tiffany was born healthy, I attributed the initial positive test to a scientific reasoning. My daughter's father fueled my unbelief. He was not only an atheist, but also an alcoholic. The abuse escalated later in our relationship. He would get drunk every night, say hurtful words, and engage in cruel actions. He regularly expressed regret for being with me and my daughter, belittling me, calling me stupid, lazy, and worthless. I recount these experiences not for pity, but to emphasize that even in my unbelief, God has a plan. The abuse continued, but I stayed, finding it convenient. I dreaded the idea of falling again, failing again, and moving in with my mother, with two kids. It was simpler to endure his abuse and drinking. When we decided to buy a house, and after an accepted offer on a beautiful log home fell through just one day before closing, we were in a rush to find a new home. We settled for a house in Beckley, West Virginia, which... While not ideal, offered us a roof over our heads. I began searching for a job and secured a position at the local newspaper as an account executive, selling advertising. I excelled at my job, gaining more accounts with each passing day and consequently more income. One day, a co-worker who had been with the company for a long time was let go and I inherited a few of her accounts, including one in an automotive dealership. I introduced myself to the sales manager, Keith Kaufman, and we instantly connected. Keith and I shared laughter, jokes, and discussions about life. With him, I didn't have to wear a professional mask. I could be myself. As our friendship grew, I found myself eagerly seeking any excuse to speak with him. Back then, I cherished him as a friend. On a particular day, I walked into the dealership to speak with him. 
only to learn that he had been transferred to another dealership. My heart sank as I realized this new location wasn't even on my list of accounts. It belonged to someone else. Feeling the weight of the situation, I rushed back to my office to have a conversation with my boss. I told them that if I didn't secure this account, I'd quit, and despite being their top salesperson. To my relief, they agreed to give me the account. To do some self-reflecting on this chapter is often difficult for me. Yes, I had considered ending my pregnancy, and while I'm not proud of that now, at the time, I felt like it was the only decision that I could make to keep my relationship and my mind together. It's not something that I'm proud of. It's nothing that I ever condone, nor did I ever think that I would be at a clinic facing the voluntary ending of my pregnancy. Today, actually, we're celebrating my little girl's eighth birthday party. As I look around the living room, I see pink and gold, white, all her favorite colors. It's reminiscent of a tea party. And she is the light of my life. She's absolutely the best part of me. I love all my children dearly. But she was my first little girl. She's very special. She's so intelligent, and she has this way of loving on you and letting you know that she adores you just as much as you adore her. She was diagnosed with autism about a week ago, and a lot of the things seem to make sense. She is high-functioning and I know some people don't like that term, but being as I'm very new to this diagnosis, I'm not quite familiar with all the terminology that goes along with it, but it's mild, and she generally has trouble with um, social interactions. Some people say, well, you homeschool, no wonder, no, that goes long before homeschooling was very noticeable in retrospect from the get-go. She would be obsessed with dinosaurs. I'm talking about a five-year-old, four-year-old little girl who could tell you the name of any dinosaur that you could possibly imagine. She had hundreds of dinosaur toys. She would line them up and in a straight line and let them watch TV, and it was her obsession. She would actually introduce herself as, I'm Tiffany, I'm obsessed with dinosaurs. Tiffany and dinosaurs were synonymous. They were the same. 
now we've moved on to Squishmallows, and while I much prefer Squishmallows, Tiffany still recounts dinosaurs very easily. She is so full of life, and she really, really is an answered prayer. I'm regretful that I even have to look back and think that I would have done this now. And I'm very glad that I didn't. When we talk about her father, I I mean no harm in the things I said because quite frankly, he and I and his new girlfriend and my husband are all very good friends. We co-parent like it should be done. Tiffany does not hear a single bad word spoken about the other parent from either party. Her dad changed a lot after we left. And honestly, I'm happy for him. And I hope that one day he finds God like I did. I hope the same for his girlfriend. In the meantime, I'll pray until it happens. If you ask Tiffany, she'll tell you every day that she prays for her dad to believe in God. And while we know we can't rush these things, I know from experience that you can't be pushy. You can't can't tell somebody how wrong they are or you're going to meet nothing but resentment and strife. And so when you talk to somebody who is an atheist and or they don't even have to call themselves an atheist, just an unbeliever, somebody who isn't saved, you have to come at them with love and compassion. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears, let him open the door. When we witness to people, and I understand that there is a fervor of God, there is a a power that God gives you to be so energetic and so sure of your faith. We have to understand how to relate that to people. Some people have never experienced that. Some people don't even believe in that. So a lot of times I'm very much a fan of not being so direct and not being a a Bible thumper, but to share what God has done for you in a way that isn't going to be met with hostility and strife. For we're such a short chapter in my book, I really have a lot to say about it because it's one of those things that when you look back and see you 
absolutely know that there was some kind of intervention that took place at that time. I obviously did not attribute it to God, but looking back now, I can see that even in my unbelief, He was setting up each and every step that needed to take place to get me to where I am today. And it just blows my mind. You know, I talk about the fact that we were going to purchase a home in my hometown, which is in Logan. It's about two hours from here. And, you know, I had lived a a few different places by this time in my life. And of all the places I had lived, I'd never, ever considered Beckley. It just simply was not on my list of places I would even want to live. I had been a few times, mostly just as a day trip to come shop at the Crossroads Mall or something like that, but it was never anything that was looked forward to or I enjoyed doing. I would go to Charleston or I would stay in Logan and shop. So the fact that I went from buying a house in my hometown where I was born and raised and the fact that it fell through one day before closing and when I say fell through the home was a log home it was beautiful it was up a hollow with a lot of trailers and so being that it was at the very end of the hollow with a lot of mobile homes there were no comps as they call them the log home had a traditional built addition and so when they were doing the um, paperwork and inspection you know we didn't have the best credit and so an FHA loan made perfect sense so because it was log and traditional there were no comps anywhere to be found and so because of that they could not process the loan you might think that sounds crazy well at that time I thought so too I was very upset I was losing my dream home that I thought that I wanted it was beautiful it was up hollows by itself there was land it was amazing I was very upset when it all fell through. But me being the person that I am, I brushed it off quickly and tried to make the best of the situation. So I come to Beckley and looked at a house and I thought, well, you know, there's jobs here at least. And so that's what I made my decision on was based on my ability to get a job and to be productive. 
So, yeah. In retrospect, I can see that God absolutely had his hand on everything. I come here and I get a job and that's why I meet Keith. And a lot of people think, oh, or you did you have something going on during that time? No, we didn't. It was strictly a friendship. Were, were there times where we maybe flirted or something like that? I'm sure. But as far as a relationship goes, no, absolutely not. Though some people will tell you otherwise, but that's neither here nor there. God always has his hand on situations, even when we don't see it. That's why I love the song Miracle Worker, because even when I don't see it, you're working. And I'm so glad that I wrote this this book to be able to look back and see all the things that God orchestrated while I was still in unbelief. I was still an atheist at this point. So catch me next week and we will talk about chapter three and go into a little more detail about how I slowly transitioned into knowing God. Be careful. I'll be praying for you. And I would never want to end an episode without letting you know if you're unsaved, you don't know what you're missing. God is so good. He is so full of love. And it's so easy to give your life to Him. Just accept. Know that God is real. That Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and resurrected again. Believe in your heart that He died to forgive you of your sins and confess with your mouth that you are a sinner. The Bible says we've all come short of the glory of God. Dear God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Thank you that his blood was shed to forgive my sins. I believe in my heart that this happened. And God, that you raised him on the third day. God, I know I've sinned. And I just want you to come into my heart. I believe that you can save me. And I know that you forgive me of my sins. God, I ask that you help me every day from here on to live for you. Thank you, God, for for what you do for me and for what you provide. So, Father, now I ask you to come into my heart, live inside of me, and work through me each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, send me a comment. It's all very private. You can message me. You can message me at um, the Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. I have a Facebook page, The Atheist. Message the page. I'd love to talk to you. Until next week, I'll be praying for you.